Welcome to the podcast. You are listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad you are here. I want to ask you a question today, and there are several ways you can ask this question. Here's how I'm asking it to you in this podcast. Why can't I have life on my own terms? I'm really asking a fallen question. We're all fallen. We live in a perfect world. We're imperfect people. We live around imperfect people. And guess what? (laughs) We're going to have an imperfect life. For those of us who are old enough to look backward, we look backward and there are disappointments in our past. This is everybody's experience. And so I think we all understand that. But the problem is sometimes we can be so disappointed by our experiences that it turns to bitterness. I mean, every person has an idea of the kind of life they want, and there's nothing wrong with thinking about your life while planning for a preferred outcome. I hope, well, as one pastor told me years ago, I've never forgotten this, and I thought it was great, and I've made this one of my mantras as well. He said, I hope you die with a a thousand unfulfilled dreams. And what he meant by that is always be thinking, always be planning, be dreaming, be imagining. We want to do that. We don't want to live in a world where we are not strategizing and thinking and planning and hoping and praying and looking and searching. And we want to have so many of those things at one lifetime would not be enough to fulfill them all. And that's why he said, I hope you die with a thousand unfulfilled dreams. That's the way my mind works. I'm always thinking. I I always want more in the good sense of that. I, I want to help more people. I want to reach more people for the cause of Christ. I want my children to love God. I want to have a fantastic marriage. I mean, there are a lot of things that I want, and so do you. And so I don't want you to get all guilt trippy on me by thinking it's wrong to plan your life. We make our plans, as the Bible says. Of course, we also know that same verse says God orders our our steps. And it's because of our universal fallenness that things do not always work out the way we hoped. And so I want to talk about that in this podcast. And if you want to talk to me about this podcast and our team, well, we have people, including myself, who would love nothing more than to interact with you. We were doing that today, by the way. We did it yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. This is what we do every day. We interact with people globally. They come to us with their questions, and it is a joy to be able to come alongside people and answer their questions. We can't change anything, but we can be a friend We can walk with you through whatever it is you are walking through. And so if you want to do that, jump on our website, rickthomas.net. It's really easy to get to. Fill out your username and your unique password that only you and God will know. We don't keep passwords. We don't have that ability, and we wouldn't do that anyway. So this is yours, and only you can have access uh, to our website. So get your username and your password, and and fill it out and get on our forums and ask your questions. Did you know that every year we reach hundreds of thousands of lives globally? This year, we will reach over one million individuals with the practical gospel of Jesus Christ. 
will help these people by providing practical tools and ongoing training for effective living. Through the written resources, audio broadcast, equipping videos, interactive forums, the Lord is impacting lives through this ministry by the grace of God. Will you partner with us to help continue this fantastic gospel adventure? You may donate or become a supporting member of our community by going to our website. For as little as $5 each month, you can provide practical tools for hurting souls. If you are a local church, I appeal to you. Will you support our missional endeavors around the world? Whatever you can give, this ministry will change many lives. This is a partnership in the gospel. And thank you so much for those of you who are supporting this ministry. You, along with us, are working together to help so many people. Now let's talk about something that is difficult for all of us. And I do want to say at the onset that I have not arrived I haven't come to this place where I am living a Christ-plus-nothing life, but I want to press toward that mark. And I think many of you already know that these articles that I write, or what they are, they are my devotionals. This is how I think about life. This is how I think about God, other people, myself. And so I write to myself, I just put my devotionals online. Let's get into it. The title of it, if you want to read this, you can. Why can't I have my life on my terms? There is a death message of the gospel that sometimes calls us to give up our preferred life and follow Christ in a different kind of way than what we expected. Now, if you are a Christian, if God has imposed himself into your life, he has regenerated you, you are born again, is the language that we understand. Every Christian has embraced the death message of the gospel call when God saved them. Because what you said in essence, though you might not have used these words, and I didn't use these words, but in essence, we all said when we became Christians is that I give my life to God, that I'm going to follow him, that I am going to repent. That's what the word repentance means. And your first repentance is at salvation. So was mine. The word repentance simply stated means making a 180 degree turn. You were going this way. And you said, I'm not going to go my way any longer. I'm going to go God's way. That's the death message of the gospel. You're dying to yourself and said, I will, I will follow God. The new convert says, in essence, I will no longer follow my path, but yours, O oh Lord, I will follow. And that's what we all did. You can't become a Christian without denying your life. Sometimes we have to give up other things as well. And many of you have experienced that. If Well, all of you have Maybe some to lesser degrees, smaller degrees, but some of you to significant degrees. We all give up other things that we liked, what we hoped for, what we planned, what we thought, what we imagined. We see this concept throughout the Bible. When people left families, jobs, dreams to follow God, go back to the beginning, Abraham He left his homeland because God called him to do something spectacular. You know the story of Joseph, the story of Moses, 
the story of Job. And of course, as you move into the New Testament, the best story of all, the story of Christ, who said, not my will, but your will be done. There is a death message of the gospel, and we see this idea all over the Bible. This is not a fictional story, the Bible. It is a real story, real people, real lives. And in that sense, it continues today. We are real people with real lives, with a real relationship with God, and we do similarly to those who are in the Bible. We have to give up other things as well. Read Hebrews, all of Hebrews chapter 11, and you will see a stunning story after story after story of people who did not get the life that they wanted. And so if you ask them the question in Hebrews 11, why can't I have my life on my terms? They would say that these things were not worthy, that they had a a better idea, and they chose to follow God. God does not call us to a life of beating ourselves up. Now, I don't want you to hear that. I, I don't want you to take a vow of poverty or that you beat yourself up so that you can prove that you have passion for him. And so don't go to that extreme. He's not calling us to be miserable, but he does require, and here's the key word, a willingness, a willingness to give up everything for the sake of Christ. And so God is not saying that you have to give up everything in your life for Christ's sake, but are you willing? Following God is a matter of your heart that you must consider before you work out the practical realities of pursuing him. And so what I'm asking you in this podcast is a heart question Are you willing? As much as you can understand that, of course, our heart is deceptive and we know that. But are you willing to give up everything for the sake of Christ? An excellent question to think about is this. Are you willing to give up all of your desires? Now, I did not ask you to give up anything. I'm just wondering. I'm wondering myself. I'm asking myself that question. I wondered if you were willing to give up all of your desires. You don't have to give up your preferred hopes to follow Christ, but following Christ may mean you have to give up those things. My question is staggering when considered practically. Perhaps you would like to have a child, but God does not give life inside of your womb. Perhaps you would like to be married, But it is not happening at this moment. Perhaps you would like to be in the ministry, but you you can't find your spot right now. Perhaps you would like more money, maybe a kind spouse, maybe God-loving children, maybe job security. I think I could work through this list here and everything that I said. I have wanted Not a child in my womb, but I wanted a child. I wanted to be married, wanted to be in ministry, wanted more money, a kind spouse, God-loving children, job security. Yeah, I, I hit all of those. Now, none of these desires are evil. 
And again, I don't want you to go guilt trippy on me. None of these desires are evil. I want you to hope, dream, plan, strategize, be strategic, pray above all things. In fact, I think that most Christians would quickly affirm that these are good things. But what if God asked you to walk away from these things to follow him into a different kind of life? Are you willing to trust God? Even if it means you cannot have your life on your terms. Now listen to this verse from Mark chapter 8. It's really a profound verse that you have heard probably more than once. But I want to put it in the context of this podcast, and I want you, I, I, want, I want to practically apply it. I would love for you to spend time reflecting this day on this verse, these two verses, Mark chapter 8, verses 34, 35. Jesus said, hard saying, listen, here it is. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Now, if you saw a man carrying a cross 2,000 years ago in the city of Jerusalem, there is no question as to what was happening to that man. He was going to die. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and and follow me. We all have to inter- interact with this verse, not just interact with it, but we have to practically apply it to our lives because every single person who's ever been born of Adam has never gotten their way entirely. They've never gotten everything that they wanted. And sometimes we can fall into that trap that it sounds like a demand. Why can't I have my life on my terms? According to Christ, if you want to save your life, you must lose it. One may ask, isn't life a good thing? Why can't I have my life? What's wrong with that? Well, those are the wrong questions. I mean, they're good questions. Isn't life good? Why can't I have my life? What's wrong with that? But it's not the first question that we should be asking. If you're asking those questions, you're missing the point of the text in Mark 8, 34, 35. The real question that he's asking here is, will you trust God? Will you be a believing believer? What are your deepest and fondest desires? Are you willing to give them up for Christ? Now, again, I did not ask you to give them up. Don't go there. I wondered if you would be willing to give them up for Christ. There is a difference between giving them up for Christ and a willingness to give them up. Here are a few more good things that many Christians want. Good health, material comfort, God-loving children, and a lack of inconvenience. I want a lack of, of inconvenience. If I were in charge, I would want to hold on to these wonderful ideas in one hand while grasping the Savior with my other hand. But I know that God may have other things in mind with my life. And as I do reflect backward, when I do look in the rearview mirror, I know that he had many other things 
in his mind. And that's why one of the most troubling verses or couplet in the Bible is Job 23. The couplet is verse 13 and 14. Job said, he is unchangeable, talking about God. He went on to say, who can turn him back? What he desires that he does, for he will complete what he appoints for me. And here's the clincher here, the last part. He says, Job says, and many such things are in his mind. Job came to that devastating place where he had to give consideration to what God may be calling him to. He's in the middle of his book, Job chapter 23. Devastation had already come. He had lost so much. He made many appeals. He's wanting life on his own terms, if I can put it in those words. And he comes to that place where he realized, I cannot budge God. I cannot change him. I cannot turn him. I cannot move him. Job said, he is unchangeable. And who can turn him back? Well, nobody can. And Job realized that. And he quickly came back with what he desires that he does for he will complete what he appoints for me. And then that killer phrase, and many such things are in his mind. Recently, I told a young man that if he genuinely wanted to be right with God, he must be willing to walk away from his girlfriend, whom this man hopes will be his future wife, and he must trust God for a better life than what he imagines with his current girlfriend. Now, I want you to listen to what I said to him. I'm saying what I've been saying in this podcast. I don't want you to read into that or hear into that what I didn't say. I did not say he had to walk away from his girlfriend. I said he must be willing to walk away from his girlfriend if a higher calling to Christ required it. That's a practical way of thinking about this idea. His response to my personal, my practical personalization of Mark 8, 34 and 35 to his life was to reveal his idolatry, if there were any idolatry issues in his heart, or his God-centeredness. That's what I wanted. That's what Jesus was doing with the rich young ruler. He was wanting to see if there were any hidden idolatries, which Christ already knew that there were. But were there any hidden idolatries, or if he's so God-centered that he's willing to to do, the rich young ruler, is he willing to do what Jesus said in Mark 8, 34 and 35? If anyone come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life and lose it, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. Here's how the text reads with the rich young ruler in Matthew 19. It says this, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. This is similar to what I was saying to the young man with the girlfriend. I I wasn't saying he had to do that, but I was just testing him to see where he was in his sellout. Was he selling out for Christ? Am I selling out for Christ? The rest of Matthew 19 says this, When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He did not want to own, he did not want to practicalize the death message to, uh, of Christ, of the, the death call of the gospel. He wanted life on his own terms, and he determined that he would have it, and, and he went away sorrowful because he, he wasn't willing to let go. Now carefully read what I am asking. 
Are you willing to give up your agenda for a Jesus plus nothing life? That is what it means to lose your life by trusting the one who not only knows better than you do, but who can also sustain you in the path that he leads you. Psalm 23.3, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. God leads us and he can lead us because he knows more. He's wiser. Now, in this way, parents similarly lead their children. If you are a parent with children, you've done this before. On occasion, I have appealed to my children to let go of something they wanted and to trust me for something better, to trust what I'm I'm telling them, that this will be better for you if you if you do this rather than that. Now, my appeal meant they could could not have what they wanted, but was being asked to rely on my direction for their lives. This is how we parent. Every parent, every good parent should be parenting this way. We see our children making poor decisions regularly, and we want to direct them. And so we, we ask them to come and follow me, hopefully, as I am following Christ. And that's what God does with us. My request left them feeling a bit unsure, unsafe, uncomfortable. As you know, trusting Christ implies that he may take you to places where you might not want to go. And so when God is leading us in places where we might not want to go, leading us away from that which we do want, we feel unsure, unsafe, uncomfortable sometimes. Of course, you can reject Christ and his plans for your life, choosing to shrink your life down to something that may not be as satisfying, though it may be less risky than fully trusting Christ. You know the C.S. Lewis saying in the Chronicles of Narnia, of course, God is not safe, but he is good and it is this safety thing that we are so concerned about. Will God take care of me? Is God good? Because I'm not getting my life on my own terms. Jesus said to save your life, will shrink it down to something that you can manage. The downside to self-salvation, which is what we're talking about here, is that you'll miss out on an extraordinary experience with God. But then, if you do not want to shrink your life down to something that you can control, be aware that a walk with God is not safe. He may call you to get out of your boat of self-reliance and walk on water with him. That's Matthew 14, 28, where Jesus was calling Peter. Peter had the life that he wanted. He was in a boat on a dark and stormy night. He was doing okay. Christ came along and said, you want a deeper, more profound experience with me? You got to get out of that boat. We had rather shrink our life down to a manageable boat that we could control. God said, no, I want to give you something extraordinary. And when Christ calls, it's extraordinary. It's otherworldly. When I was in Mexico recently, I, I told them at one point in one of my uh, lessons that I don't I don't rail on Peter for what he did that night because he he did take a dip in the water. The thing that really I marvel at is the fact he got out of the boat. He denied himself and chose death over life. The counterintuitive message of the gospel: I'm going to walk with Christ. I'm going to give up this comfort. I'm going to give up this boat. That's what we're talking about. Many of us desire to die to ourselves, but we're fearful about going to that place. Now, some people 
won't die to themselves, and they are not going to go to that place, no way, no how. Then there are others who are willing to die to themselves, but we're still fearful. That's okay. I understand that. I'm fearful too when I think about God's call on my life and some of the things that I believe he's calling me into. Because the truth is that I love me way too much to die to myself willfully. The only way to dispossess the dark heart of my selfishness is to beg God to possess me with the Spirit of Christ. One of my favorite holy sonnets from John Donne, uh, one of my favorite writers, uh, is the holy sonnet that is generally called Batter My Heart. And in this sonnet, John Donne is begging God to, to beat down the door of his heart and to transform him from the inside out. The holy sonnet goes this way. He says, Batter my heart, three-person God. For you as yet but knock, breathe, shine, and seek to mend, that I may rise and stand. Overthrow me and bend your force to break, blow, burn, and make me new. John Donne was going to God's throne and saying, Batter my heart, Trinitarian God. Knock, breathe, shine. Bring this into my life so that you can mend me. And then he took it up a notch. He, went, he said, Overthrow me. Bend your force to break, blow, burn, and make me new. He was intense. He wanted God to overthrow his heart. My prayer is that God will continue to reveal to me that there is nothing in this life that can, that, that can be so strong and, and so sustaining that it would give me all that I want. The truth is I'm a dirt clod, Adamic man. I'm made from the earth. I'm a dirt clod, and I'm fading into dust. To dust I'm going to return, and the things in this world will pass away. They will crumble. They will disappear the true answer for all of us is in Christ alone. Both of those words are important. Christ alone. Christ plus nothing equals everything. Hoping, searching, and valuing the things of this world is an illusion. If I persist in my search for happiness in a fallen world, I'll drop into despair. My tra treasure must be Christ alone. Whether I get the quote-unquote good things that I want or not. The mirage of this life will never keep me secure or satisfied. Ecclesiastes 1.8 says, The eye is never satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. If I build my life on anything other than Christ, I will lose. And Christ will not bless me in the way that he longs to lavish himself on me. Indeed, it is in Christ alone. Now, please listen carefully here. I'm not asking you to feel guilty about any blessing that you may have. I'm not asking you to give up anything that you possess currently. That, that's not what's going on here. My aim here is to motivate you to reflect on your current contentment. Are you content with the life that you have is Christ satisfying? If you're not content, there is something wrong. Possibly you want something that you don't have. And if so, you're not living the Christ plus nothing equals a satisfied life. Now listen, don't beat yourself up if you're not there yet. I'm not either. 
because of remaining sin, none of us are where we need to be. But the key is, are we pressing toward the high mark of Christ? Are we pushing toward him? Are we really seeking a Christ plus nothing life? Are we pursuing contentment? Or are we caught in the things that we want or the things that we don't have that we wished we had? Paul said it this way in Philippians 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. I'm not. But I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. And so the question of the podcast, the question that I ask you, why can't I have life on my terms? I want you to think about it. If we can help you to reflect upon this, I'm not asking you to give up anything. I'm just asking you to think about your willingness to give up anything for the sake of Christ and how Christ is bringing immeasurable contentment to your life. And if you're struggling with discontentment right now, you probably have this issue that you want life on your own terms and it's not happening and you're discontent. And if you're not careful, it will turn into bitterness and it will catch you. You'll be a caught person according to Galatians 6.1 and you need restored. Let us know if we can come alongside you. It would be our joy. It would be our pleasure. You can read this podcast on our website. Go there. Thanks for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.